well, what was formerly a 24-hour Safeway in the uh, Castro area of uh, San Francisco has had to modify their hours. They close, I think, at 9.30 now. And the reason they're not open all night is because of what the owner called shoplifting that was off the scale. Now, I wonder why that might be. If you have an attorney general for your city who's decided that we're not going to enforce any laws against criminals and you've just watched, oh, I don't know, a couple years of people smashing in stores and walking out with three or four thousand dollars worth of justice, uh, then maybe uh, you're sending the signal that uh, shoplifting is okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. And as usual, it gets worse than that. Uh, Steve, you lived up in, in San Francisco there and you talked a, a few times, including last week, I think, or the week before, about, about how that city is basically falling apart. It's not just San Francisco, and we'll get to that in a minute. But essentially, the, the argument on the part of the store owners is, is that we are losing so much merchandise that we cannot stay open that late, that the, the shoplifting is so bad is that we're literally going out of business. And most sane people would say, well, why don't you just put a security guard out there? And when you catch somebody shoplifting, you call the cops and you do this a few times. And sooner or later, you get shoplifters going to jail and then the shoplifting drops significantly. Why would that common sense approach not work in San Francisco today, do you think? Jezebudine. What now? Jezebudine. He's the, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, I think I am. He's the uh, district attorney of San Francisco. He wanted an off-year election with just a tiny sliver of the electorate bothering to show up. And he's a communist. He worked for Hugo Chavez. He was uh, raised by, um, wasn't he raised by raised Bill by Ayers, Bill Ayers. Bernard, Bernadine Orton, yeah, yeah. the famous mass um, murderer terrorist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray, Ray, son of a killer, raised by terrorists. Uh, he's, he's, he's the full commie deal, and he's basically made it known. And he's under recall, by the way, so kudos to the, uh, some of the people of San Francisco for waking up to this. Um, you put a commie in charge of justice, and there's no justice. Social is the word you put in front of other words when you want it to mean the opposite of what it means. So security has <laughs> security. Social justice is not justice. Uh, he will he will not prosecute shoplifters. Period. And I have to wonder if he's getting a cut. This is pure speculation on my part. So don't start filing lawsuits or anything here. But these aren't you know homeless families struggling on the streets, stealing a loaf of bread from Walgreens so that they don't die that night. No, these are these are organized gangs of shoplifters. Uh, if I remember correctly, they're being organized out of Oakland who are taking advantage of San Francisco's non-existent, I almost said lax law enforcement, but in shoplifting, it isn't lax, it is non-existent. And these gangs go in, take whatever they want, and then they get resold. And I, I have to wonder if the San Francisco district attorney isn't getting a cut of this mob money. Because why else would he do it? Well, there, there is another reason to do this. Communists destroy stuff. It's what they do. So maybe that's it. And I miss the old Castro. When I was living there in the early 90s, there was a little gourmet cheese shop that sold the best French roast coffee beans I ever had. And they sold them at two bucks a pound. You couldn't get I mean, most coffee was going for six or eight bucks a pound for not very good stuff. And they sold it as a loss leader to get people in the door to buy their expensive cheese. And that was that was the Castro. You know, it was pretty well gentrified. A lot of small little uh, uh, kind of boutique shops. It was a lot of fun. I go there with my girlfriend. I pretty much have to go there with my girlfriend because it's a really gay part of the city. Um, but I just I, I miss that version of the Castro. And, you know, Michelle Obama likes to lie a lot. And I remember one of her favorite lies was talking about the food deserts 
that existed in black parts of cities where, you know, you couldn't buy fresh vegetables because the grocery stores didn't exist or, or didn't want to stock fresh vegetables for black people. And it turned out to be not true. Somebody did a study and it turns out you can get vegetables wherever you are in any city in America, which is just, just, just all lies. But there is right now in San Francisco, a NyQuil desert. And I'm, it sounds like a silly thing to say, but they're closing all the Walgreens. They're not limiting their hours. Walgreens is pulling out of San Francisco. So if you've got the flu in the middle of winter and you want to go pick up some NyQuil, what are you going to do? I don't know. They're building a desert out of the most beautiful city in the world, Bill. Yes, they are. And the people who are putting these policies into place are not people who shop at Safeway. And they are not the people who are going to be paying the price at Safeway. As Scott pointed out in our uh, Members Only Backstage show, many of the people who took advantage of Safeway are people who are working tough jobs and don't get out until they're eight or nine o'clock at night. They're on the night shift. They need to go someplace where they can get their groceries after hours. You used to be able to go to Safeway uh, all through the night, you can't do that anymore because rich white liberals have decided that enforcing the law is racist. And so the people who they claim they're protecting from racism are the people who are suffering. And that's the way it's always been and always will be. This is how the dynamic works. Uh, Scott, moving uh, across the country a little bit towards the east, um, we have this interesting and somewhat embarrassing um, press conference with the mayor of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Is that... Oh, isn't that wonderful? Well, I hear gunshots in my neighborhood every night. My son and I fall asleep to the lullaby of gunshots in the distance every night because I'm the first mayor in over 20 years to be born, raised, and still live in North St. Louis. And it's unfortunate, you know, yes, I heard it, but I didn't flinch uh, because, you know, I'm, I guess I, I'm, it's, it's a part of my life now. Yeah, Scott, you heard her that just gunshots are just kind of part of life where she grows up. She grew up to the melody of gunshots in the night, as she said, basically that that sweet, sweet, melodious sound of people popping caps on people and leading to one of the greatest murder rates in the country, in the history of the country, one of the most dangerous places in the world. And she's essentially treating it as if it's a natural phenomenon, as I think Roger Simon pointed out. Somebody said, somebody said it was, uh, Dan Bonino said it was like it's some kind of natural phenomenon, almost like, hey, look, lightning struck while I was doing my press conference. Shame nobody can do anything about this, said the mayor. You know, there's been an ongoing debate for the last, oh, I don't know, it's probably been 20, 30 years now about how to best police, especially in these inner cities. How do you maintain a peaceful atmosphere where people will want to live and feel comfortable and feel safe, feel like they can go to the grocery store at 11 o'clock at night or one o'clock in the morning? Um, but Safeway is going to close at nine o'clock because... Basically, the only way that any retailer has ever been effective in stopping the kind of shrinkage, as they call it, the shoplifting that goes out the front door, is by having a no-nonsense, always-prosecute policy about shoplifters. But if you can't get the local law enforcement officials to get behind that policy, then the store owner has very little power of his own. He can catch somebody in the act. He can even have in-store security you know, frog march that guy to a detention room if he wants to. But if the local district attorney won't follow through and press charges against that guy, then you just release him into the streets and he knows that he can come back anytime he wants and, and do the same thing. So, you know, there was the New York City of uh, several decades ago where they came up with this idea that, you know, if you don't, 
have a, if you have a neighborhood that's got a couple of broken windows, it starts looking like the kind of a neighborhood that should have broken windows and more windows get broken. So if you don't allow that kind of behavior, then you find out that the worst crimes are actually nipped in the bud before they have a chance, before those people who start out with petty crimes grow up and start committing more serious crimes. Now, what can happen in those situations and what did happen in some of those situations was it got to the point where in, in, an, in an effort to clamp down on stuff before it happened, sometimes guys got patted down you know, at the street side. There were some black kids who knew that if a cop car rolled up to the curb, then they were supposed to spread them and be searched and, and you know, check to see if they had guns or drugs with them. And I think that's taking it too far when you're trying to sort of intercept criminals before, that they, before they've committed a crime. But it's not taking it too far to actually prosecute somebody that you've caught red-handed with the bag of Fig Newtons or the television set on his way out the door. And Steve's right. I mean, this is not Jean Valjean, you know? This is not some guy. I had to feed my starving children. That's right. This is not some guy who's singing, who am I? You know, this is <laughs> this is a guy who's stealing a TV so he can fence it on the streets and uh, and making a good living doing so. So... It's your town, San Francisco. Uh, Castro neighbors, uh, it's your neighborhood. Uh, the only way that this is going to stop is if uh, if you start demanding the kind of law enforcement and follow through. It's like another show that we did this week um, on Right Angle. It's like there there is no law if there's no enforcement. So you can't say that shoplifting is illegal if there's no penalty for shoplifting. Right. It just produces more contempt for the law. So here's how it works, folks. Uh, not only is this how cities are destroyed, this is how uh, poor black people are, are made much more miserable by white progressives. So let's take a look at these two examples. In San Francisco, white progressives decided that we're not going to enforce the law because that would be racist. So who suffers for this? Is it is it Nancy Pelosi and her fortress or Gavin Newsom or any of them? No. The people who suffer are the hardworking poor people who now have to deal with more inconveniences. And as these stores continue to leave because there is no way to stop the individuals who are doing the shoplifting, then the people who suffer the most are the people who presumably the left is trying to save. Same exact thing in uh, St. Louis. Here's what's going on with that St. Louis thing. That mayor is basically saying, Yes, there were gunshots in broad daylight during my press conference, but that kind of thing goes on all the time here. In other words, it's okay. It's okay. What she's basically saying is gunshots in the middle of the afternoon during my press conference is okay. It's always been that way. And the reason it's okay is because it's black people getting shot. Because if you were to have a situation like that happen in Plano, Texas, where a mayor was giving a, a, a press conference and gunfire erupted in the middle of it, then immediately forces would be dispatched to find out who's doing this murdering and killing. But this is the this is the dynamic. You tell the people in the cities that that white Republicans are here to put you in chains, therefore vote for me and we'll bring you stuff. And they do bring you stuff. They bring you closures. They bring you poverty. They bring you burned out cities. They bring you empty cities and they bring you 8000 murders a year. This is what the Democrats have delivered to black America and they've delivered it to black America for 40 or 50 years now. And here are two examples right in front of our eyes and it's going to continue to get worse. And I don't don't know what it's going to take to stop it, but I know what I'm seeing with my own eyes. 
This idea that we're not going to enforce shoplifting laws because it might be considered uh, uh, somehow a racist thing to do affects poor black people more than anyone else. And a black mayor saying, well, geez, gunfighters, just something just kind of happens in this neighborhood is basically saying that she doesn't give a damn and there's nothing she can do when more black guys are shooting other black guys. Business as usual, throw up my hands. What can I do about it? Well, you could change who you vote for, first of all. That'd be a start. And to be perfectly honest with you, if you live in downtown San Francisco or downtown St. Louis, I am rapidly, in fact, I have for a long time, and you can add Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta, all the rest of them to this. I really do have to say at some point, what alternative could be worse than this? Honestly, what could be worse than this? For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on Right Angle. 